<laughs> it's like I don't care about nothing, man. Happy 4-2020 day, everybody. Another episode of Icy Takes coming at you. Jeff on one side of the state. You know, Zach around the same side. Um, I don't know. How, how far apart are you guys, realistically? About, like, 30 miles, 20 miles from each other? Not even. I think it's, like, 10, yeah, 13 miles. I'm in, I'm in like, uh, Manor, Manor, Irwin area. So I think we're about, like, maybe... Oh, yeah, that's 10 miles far. tops. That's a stone's throw. I mean, oh, yeah. if you're good. Yeah, like re- reali- realistically, me and Zach could arguably um, record like in person. Maybe we should do that one time. Maybe, yeah. Content ideas. Are, content. Just free flowing content ideas during the show. I love it. <laughs> exactly. I'm down. If we ever do a weekend show, then I can do that as well. As far as dur- during the week, I'm not making that truck after work. <laughs> you, you know how expensive tolls are now these days oh you could go right down uh, route 30 though i know but that is such a convenient ride to take that turnpike but then i look at the bill and i'm like man is it really worth it every time yeah, just throw it I on just your easy pass say, you're good I oh i know i have that easy pass but i still don't like it <laughs> Uh, go on 43 by Cal U and you will guarantee I don't think you can take that road for any less than $7 so um, that one is insane well I know that um, my my father has to take the, the turnpike every day to go to work he has to get up at uh, the Monroeville exit and you know, from where I live it costs about $6 and some odd cents one way to do 53 miles oh, so geez. what he's been doing some days is going all the way up route 31 to new stanton and then doing the 18 uh mile drive there from new stanton to monroeville and that's a hell of a lot cheaper it's like two dollars and fifty cents but we did the math it's more per mile from new stanton to monroeville than it is from somerset to monroeville and basically the point i just want to get out there is that <laughs> the pa polls suck that's all I just wanted to say. Yeah, uh, tough look for Governor Wolf right now, I guess, right? You got Dave tough complaining look. about tolls. People are complaining <laughs> that the state's not open back up yet. I mean, boy, you must have been down on Grant Street with those protesters today, huh? <laughs> no, 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 no. Not, not about that protest. <laughs> That's a different one he has organizing. He hasn't talked about that one yet. Yeah, exactly. That one's still in the works. <laughs> We're gonna be wearing masks for that protest. <laughs> so we'll be obeying that law. Okay, so this is icy takes, and you know, with with no sports, we we're, were trying to think of some creative ideas. But uh, Zach kind of sparked a little bit one today. He has a fantasy draft, you know, pending the season that actually happens for the MLB, and we're gonna get into some. Uh, you know, draft strategy and everything else with Zach. So, Zach, do you want to set the stage for us, what you got planned, what the league is like, and what, how you've performed in recent years? Uh, okay, yeah, I'll gladly set the stage. So this is a uh, fantasy baseball draft, 10-team uh, snake draft, uh, set for 9.45 uh, Eastern Standard Time draft drop, uh, ESPN. It is uh, snake. I don't know if I mentioned that already. Uh, so I don't exactly know where I'm picking until the uh, draft lobby opens, which I believe is an hour before draft time. Uh, recent years, I, I've, I've fared pretty well. Went to the championship last year and lost. I mean, I still am 
salty about that, and I'm not on good terms with the person that I opposed um, in the ship. But, uh, you know, will he let bygones be bygones? Um, that said, uh, you know, it, it's one of those leagues that is a uh, it's head-to-head, and it's, um, it's, it's point-based. So, you know, I always look for, to load up on pitching for these kind of drafts, but I wanted to get your guys' thoughts as I go about this. All right. So, I mean... The, the interesting part about all of this is that you don't know where you pick. So that really opens up uh, a, a big opportunity for us to try to get either early draft position and where you should look at for, you know, the, the second round when you're looking at your back-to-backs and um, try to set up something in the middle and then look to set up one towards the end. Um, I know... If you get the number one overall pick, I think Jeff and I will disagree on who you should pick. <laughs> Dave, do you yeah. want to give your pick first? I mean, I think it's the been the simplest pick for the last couple of years, and I still think it is. Eventually, uh, the production won't be there near as much as what he's been able to do in the past, but I think Mike Trout is still the choice at number one. So you're going to take a guy that, that backed Clayton Kershaw last week and said if the league comes back this year and it's too soon, he won't play. That's who you're going to give your number one pick to? Hey, he's everyone will be playing there. All right. This is just him stating that, you know, I, don't, I didn't that even he's hear not going to play state. this year. That, that oh, he'll be there. He'll be there. No, he won't. No, he won't. He's <laughs> right there with Clayton Kershaw. You think he gives a hell about the bench player that's sitting on the bench while he's playing nine innings a night making his millions upon millions of dollars? No, he doesn't care. I'm going to go with Ronald Acuna Jr. because he has no statements out there. He has no problem coming back and playing with the Atlanta Braves, Freddie Freeman and company. And not only are you going to get a home run hitter in Ronald Acuna, you're probably getting a 40-40 guy with the uh, home runs and steals and RBIs. So I think I think the uh, – the reign of Mike Trout being the top fantasy player, I think those days are over. I think it's it's Acuna's time to shine. You need to get a, a well-rounded player, and yes, Mike Trout was that for a while, but I think Ronald Acuna with the year he had last year and being a easy 30-30 guy and could push for 40-40, I think that's your man at number one, Zach. Well, I was going to say, I feel like for this draft, it's going to be like the angel and devil. I'm going to have you someone on one side of my shoulder and someone on the other. And, uh, you know, you guys can just go back and forth. And ultimately, I have two minutes to make that decision. And then uh, (laughs) whoever presents the best argument will go from there. That said, um, I can't wait till I pick 10th and then I get the uh, swing pick. Go pick pick the 10th and then get the uh, 11th right off the bat. So what pick would you rather prefer? Number one or number 10? I honestly like picking later. So I think 10 would be my go to. Because, especially in baseball, I just feel like there's a lot of depth still there. And the way I usually like to do it, I like to take, uh, you know, I told you I lean towards pitching. But if I get the swing pick right right next, I I feel like I can either get the the next uh, top five pitcher in the league for sure or one of the best bats that are still available. So, like, I, I really prefer picking later in the draft as opposed to first. Um, I mean, I haven't really mingled around with fantasy baseball in years. Uh, the only league that I was ever a part of, a lot of people lost interest after the first month. Um, so I know that like, when it came to at least football, 
I've always enjoyed having the the earlier pick and then mm -hmm. kind of saving the back to backs in those later rounds and getting the people that are deeper um, around like the because it's a ten team league as well. You get the like, near the rank twenty guys overall, and then look for anybody that you they're not expected to uh, you know fall under your lap in the fourth round and, and try to make those stretches because I think. The, the number one pick can either be make or break in that area as the rounds continue, or I think it's you're in a safer route being in the later round. So I understand why you like later. And, and I can agree with that. I, I think my uh, I think I differ for you on football because after the first three rounds, I have no idea who the hell anyone is unless they used to be good. Like, so I almost want to get those big name players off the board real quick, and then oh, this guy used to be good. Let's let's bank on him, but. Uh, I'm not as versed in football, and that's why I talk baseball and hockey with you guys. Hey, that's why I do, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I mean, for early round picks, let's let's still look around here. Let's say you get a, a top three pick. Let's say you go third overall. Um, with I, I believe Trout and Acuna Jr. are going to go one-two, bop-bop, even with all the you know, coronavirus and everything else that's going on that's kind of, you know, hampering down everything. And, you know, some people have said that they won't play even though they will play. Same Kershaw and Mike Trout. Um, if you if you look down, you got, like, you know, Christian Yellows, you got Cody Bellinger. Um, yeah, you also have Garrett Cole there who would be an early uh, pitcher. I mean, is there anyone there, Zach, if you were picking number three, who you would eye up? So, uh, realistically, I think it would be between Bellinger and Cole, and I would give Scherzer a look, too. But uh, definitely, as I said, prefer the arms early. Um, and then, obviously, on uh, next round, I would probably uh, – Bellinger would be gone for sure, so I'd probably look Scherzer and probably have two of the best pitchers in the game right off the bat. I, th I think it's interesting, too. I mean, I don't know the rankings you guys pulled up or whatever. Um, I have A.J. Moss's um, – uh, rankings from ESPN. Uh, Christian Yelich, it's three. I feel like I would stay the hell away from Christi Christian Yelich because you have no idea where <clears> he's <throat> at regarding the injury that he got last year and eventually kept mm -hmm. the Brewers out of the playoffs last year. So I think that's one that um, that I would stay away from a lot. Um, I, I, I agree with Zach. I think if you're in the middle of the first round where you're around between picks three and Three and six. I think it's an arm, and I, 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 w I would go in New York. I'd go Cole or Degrom because Degrom, you know what you're getting, and mm -hmm. it's it, it's business as usual for him. Garrett Cole, yeah, he's a, he's a sexier name. He signed the big contract. I don't know how he's going to do in New York, though. Like, I don't know if he's going to be able to handle the bright lights of Yankee Stadium with you know having those pinstripes on, living his boyhood dream, um, I wouldn't feel comfortable right away having Garrett Cole as my number one pick. See, the only reason, well, not maybe the only reason, but I think top five overall might be a stretch for Garrett Cole. And the reason for that is with the, with the venue change that he'll have being in New York and pitching majority of those games and we'll see if you know depending on this year seeing where they play if they're going to go back to their original stadiums or they're going to try to do the florida arizona route he gives he gave up a bunch of home runs while he gets the strikeouts he still gives up 
a lot of the long balls. And that is an issue in Yankee Stadium, just like it kind of is, you know, in Colorado. But in Yankee Stadium, it's kind of like Milwaukee, a little league field when it comes to that distance. So that's the only reason I would look to avoid Garrett Cole early on and maybe look at you know, Jacob deGrom, who's going to be even more of that dude in New, in New York because of Noah Syndergaard being out for the year. And you also Suck mentioned that, Max Scherzer. So. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's good to hear both those out. Um, I also factor in the Yankees' offense uh, because wins would be worth a certain uh, amount of points. I, I didn't look at each specific point. Uh, breakdown, but uh, I would assume Garrett Cole's offense is pretty much you could almost hand them a World Series aside from the fact that they have to play games to get it. Um, but uh, yeah, I agree. The bright lights in New York could be a little bit of a, a deterrent there, but I would assume with that Yankees offense, uh, you know, he's definitely going to get his fair share of wins, which therefore translates to points. And just to be clear, I'm not saying like completely stay away from Garrett Cole. I think he would yeah. be a great like. Like, if you have, like, the number 10 pick and you can get that swing pick right away and kind of get yes. some insurance, mm-hmm. I think 100% you hammer Garrett Cole at, like, 9 or 10 or maybe even 8 where you, you're within, like, the top three of the next round. But I don't know if I'm comfortable with him, like, at, like, three or four because you're still a ways that you're you're kind of waiting a while before you're going to get another chance to pick a, pick a pitcher. I would say that. I would say that Garrett Cole would go as late as six or maybe seven. So if you're in that middle, let's say you're in that four through six range, I would honestly look to pass him up. But if you're at if you're sitting at number eight and somehow he falls that far, I think that's the time to to snatch him up. If that makes sense. No, that that absolutely makes sense. Um, I, I think maybe I should clarify in this league a little bit. Uh, there's a couple diehard Pirate fans in this league, and I seem to remember Starling Marte went in the first round last year. So if I could tank on two or three really bad picks in the first round, like, yeah, the strategy that we're talking here will work, but, you know, I I could get better players. Who knows? Bellinger may still be there on a swing (laughs) pick. Hey, man, I I love the Pirates too, but I'm looking to actually win in these leagues. All right? I don't know. Why these guys look to go that route? Is, is, do you guys hate that in a fantasy league? Whenever you have diehards in there, who you know, yes, they open it up for you and make it easier, but they they can also make it easier for other people who pick right after that person and then just set them up for a great team. Well, here's the deal: if you're gonna if you're gonna load up your fantasy team with one team, at least make it like a good team. Like I've done it the last couple of years where. I would say 85% of my team played for the Atlanta Braves. And, like, I would just watch their games and they'd be like, oh, yeah, we got – they're calling up uh, Tuki Toussaint's coming in to make his major league debut next Thursday. Come see him at Sun SunTrust Park. And I'd pick him up for a start. And he'd throw six innings of three-hit ball and have six, six strikeouts. And it works out well. But if you're going to do – oh, I'm going to get Brandon Compton. I mean – I mean, for God's sake, you're just asking to get shelled, and he's going to give up 12 earned in four innings. So if you're going to do that, make sure it's with a good team. Don't do it with the Pirates or, like, I don't know. what are What's another bad team? The Seattle Mariners. <laughs> it took them a while to think of another bad team. Well, I mean, we're so focused on the bad one we have here, it's harder to think of anybody else worse than us. Well, I was going to say, I seem to recall doing a hockey draft a couple years ago with some of my uh, – former teammates with SRU inline and uh, Bo Bennett went in a first round of a money league. 
And now, if you want to talk about allegiances, that's fine, but that's next level stupidity. <laughs> facts. Absolute facts. Bo, I mean... Bo Bennett consistently had the red box that, that was like signal news. Like he constantly had the red box for injury updates. He got hurt celebrating a goal against the Montreal Canadiens. Celebrating, not scoring. Like that is peak Bo Bennett. I don't. I don't understand how some people do fantasy anything. I really don't. It, it blows my mind. I honestly, half the reason that I've ever done fantasy is just for the draft. Oh yeah, I think just assembling everything is the best part. So, so quick question for you guys. I know we're kind of getting away from like these rankings and everything that we were talking about, but do you have you guys ever been in a league where? You, you have, like, one guy that just is always looking to make draft pick trades. Like, before the draft has even started, he's Hello, trying to make, like, me. all these – back- <laughs> Is it you? Because, like, my my one buddy, we do we do baseball every year. We don't do it for money. It's literally just bragging rights for our, uh, our high school friends. And it is a foregone conclusion. Once we find out when baseball starts and we decide we're going to do a draft and everything, he will text me and he'll go – Hey, man, I'll send you my first, second, and seventh-round pick for your, like, two, five, and three. And, like, he'll, like, pitch it to me that, like, he'll be like, oh, dude, you'll have, like, the first, like, four four rounds taken care of. You'll get great picks. And I'm like, dude, like, just why are we doing this? <laughs> so, so to expound on that, I don't do it to start a season. I usually do it, uh, you know, right around when we have our, our trade deadline, sometimes in, uh, most of the times in early August. And, you know, like I'll look at where I'm at in the standings. And if I've, I'm on a push and, you know, having like an upswing, you know, I'll look to see what's out there. Because the way I look at it, I kind of look at it in the uh, Rutherford perspective where, you know, I, I want to go for it. Um, and, you know, it just kind of makes it interesting to see all these stacked names. The one year that I did win the championship, uh, I think was 2014, 2015, I acquired Miguel Cabrera and uh, Chris Davis, uh, the uh, Orioles one when he was actually good. Like that was his 35 or 40 home run campaign. Got them both on my team. uh, And that pretty much powered me there. Uh, And, you know, obviously the next season, I didn't really have any draft picks to work with. Uh, Like I said, I've gotten away from it, but I understand it. and And I have tried to work some of those deals before. Most recently, last year with Scherzer, the guy was out of the playoffs, and he's had Scherzer on his as a keeper for three years. So, you know, I was like, "Here's a first, second, and a fifth, like for starters," because I didn't have pitching before I got Chris Sale, and look at me now, f me, sales, sales done for the year. So, you know, yeah. I'm glad you kept it censored there, Zach. I appreciate your your effort towards that. I've tried so hard for you guys, <laughs> but uh, I feel I've done well in that aspect. All right, so one more thing I did want to bring up with the like kind of like the first round strategy of who to go for, who's available, and everything else like that. Zach, if you're eight through ten, and you have these, uh, I'll throw it out there: these three choices. Um, you got Garrett Cole, Juan Soto, and Jacob Degrom available. Who are you going for in any one of those eight through ten picks? Uh, so Juan Soto, Jacob Degrom, and you said Garrett Cole. Yeah. Uh, it would be between Degrom and, and Cole. Uh, I would not take Soto. He's good. 
he's great. He's a superstar, future superstar, if not now already. Uh, but I still lean heavily on pitching, and either of those two guys are more appetizing to take than Soto right there. And the only reason I do bring up Soto is um, I'm wondering with your league being point-based, with Soto getting around like 400 on-base percentage the last two years and having what some people are considering like one of the best eyes in baseball while in the box, how many more points is added to the total? Is it like one point per walk, or how does that work? That's usually what it is for, for uh, some of the standard leagues I, I've been in. I Like I said, I, I it's my fault for not actually checking the point breakdown, but I, I know that they don't get super in-depth with settings, so if that's what it defaults to, that's likely what it is. All right, so let, Real I kind of want to get more, away from that. One more draft what strategy. One more draft strategy before we move on. Zach, if you end up getting in your draft and Cody Bellinger goes early, like say he would go at like four or five, somebody reaches real early for Cody Bellinger, make sure you get Freddie Freeman as the next first baseman, whether that's on a swing pick or if that's like early in the second round because the cliff that is the first base position in the fantasy leagues is gigantic. And if you get Freddie Freeman, who's a consistent 300 hitter, he'll be around 30 home runs, between 25, 30 home runs. Maybe he'll extend a little higher like he did last year. But the lineup that's around him, he is a prime guy to get. He's almost like a 1A to to Cody Bellinger. The only reason Cody Bellinger is ranked higher is because he's also an outfielder and a first baseman. But when it comes to pure first baseman, it is Freddie Freeman, number one. Make sure you get him if Bellinger goes early and you're not able to get Bellinger. And let me counter with that because I agree 100% because when I, I did like a top, I think it was 300 ranking uh, across the league, just trying to sort it for myself prior to this keeper league draft. So what I had was I had uh, Be- Bellinger was outfield, by the way, per, per my sheet. So I had Freeman as the top first baseman, followed by Goldschmidt and Alonzo. And I can wholeheartedly agree that if it's uh, not uh, Bellinger or Freeman, it is an absolute cliff because I definitely don't think Pete Alonzo can duplicate what he did last year. What say you guys? Well, Dave has, like, the biggest hard on in the world for that guy. So, um, (laughs) Dave's going to say that he's about as high as as the Rocky Mountains. So, we'll get that one out of the way. Um, I don't know. With Pete Alonzo, I think it's going to be interesting. um, Not to take a a former Pirate manager, Clint Hurdle, saying here, but the league's going to adjust to him. And I wonder how he's going to be able to react to the league making adjustments of, of getting all this time to look at video and breaking down his approach in the box. So I think that it'll be a telling year for, for Pete Alonso this year. So what I was going to say before, you know, Jeff said I, I had the biggest man crush on him since, you know, him and Ronald Acuna got together. Um, I don't think Pete Alonso is going to hit 50 home runs like he did last year, hitting 53. I think he might be able to find a, a better way to, you know, keep getting on base and maybe get the slugging percentage up higher. Not, you know, you said the league will have to adjust to him. We'll see how he adjusts back with the league as well. You might ex- see more um, extra base hits, more more balls being hit to the gap, rather than like a defense from Pete Alonso. If he gets better, that's how I think he'll do it. He won't hit near as many home runs, but that slugging percentage will probably go up um, if he finds a way can, to spread the ball more in the outfield rather than just hit it over the over the fence. So and let me. Ju- conc- Go ahead. 
Sorry, and just to show you the difference at first base, in these rankings here, Freddie Freeman is ranked 17 in the top 300 players in baseball. He's the number number two first baseman. Pete Alonso is ranked number three in first base. His, his ranking amongst the top 300 players in fantasy baseball, 51. So that shows you how big of a drop that is after you mm-hmm. get by Freddie Freeman, who, I mean, he could arguably be a top 15 player, but again... I think Bellinger putting himself as an as a outfielder and first baseman kind of puts Freddie behind him a little bit. But after Freddie, it drops off quick. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. The only other person I consider, unless I just wanted some run of the uh, middle of the road first baseman, would be Matt Olson from the Athletics, just because of that lineup. But other than that, I, I nope. <laughs> I, I guess I guess people forget about Josh Bell. I don't see him as being a top tier first baseman, but you know, Hank. Hanging in there in like that top five range, uh, top four range, because you also got you know Anthony Rizzo in the Max in the mix Muncy. as well. Josh, Josh, yeah, and you know Muncy, but with Cody Bellinger being there, and you know Muncy also plays a little bit of uh, second and third base. Um, I mean, Josh Bell showed what he can do hammering the ball. He did have some cold streaks last year, but when can he was hot, he was one of the sixty. Can he do it one hundred and sixty-two though? Like that's the only question I have on him. We're not even going to have 162 games this year. <laughs> right. Well, we might not play in Major League ballparks either. So, Exactly. So I, I'm not saying that he's going to be the best player. You find a way to get him um, in a fifth or sixth round, maybe maybe seventh, depending on you know how everyone else drafts. I think that'll be a time to pick him up. He's a great his game out there. That he's, he's one a, of those. He's one of those boys. He's a, he's a great getaway day player off your bench. That like. Say you have, say for an example, you have Anthony Rizzo and the Cubs are off that day, but the Pirates are playing. That's a great pick for you to, to throw Josh Bell in off your bench. Yeah, I absolutely. doubt you have both Rizzo and Bell on your team. What's up? <laughs> What's up? Said so I doubt you're going to have both Rizzo and Bell on your team. No, I don't know. Josh Bell's not going to have much of a lineup around him. He's got Brian Reynolds in front of him. He'll drive him in all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Either way, All right. that's his insight, for sure. Um, I don't know. Do we want to go into like any other positions? or? I mean, I'm looking at my spreadsheet and trying to get uh, you know any questions that I have. Oh, let me ask you guys this. At what point do you take a closer? Because I feel it's a lot like kicker in a sense that no one, no one grabs them right off the bat, but at the same time, like... You know, saves are important, so it's almost like a. It's just a matter of when to take it, take them. I, I, would, I think this year. Oh, sorry, Jeff. Go on. Go no, no, you're you're good. Sorry. I was gonna say this year is going to be um, hard to predict on when to pick them and how often they're going to be used. Because if we go the one route that the MLB has proposed, saying there's going to be a lot of double headers and those are going to be seven to games, just until. Uh, minor league baseball does it then you might get i don't know how it's going to forecast because i have a feeling you might get less saves especially with more double headers from that one closer that's usually in there they're not going to go in two separate games in the same day with that being said if you go straight from a starter who does six innings into that closer into the seventh you should be able to have a chance to get more saves um with that route 
so I think this year is very tough to kind of predict on when to pick a closer. So I think this year I would hold off later. Let the maybe top, let's consider like the top tier guys go first and then find that team. I mean, I really like, I like what Oakland has done the last two years and I think they can still keep up with it. You know, you got Liam Hendricks right now on the list that I'm looking at, ranked number 94 overall, number six in closers. Look for that team that should be getting wins but doesn't have the, the, the finger quotes top tier closer and wait on that a little bit longer. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with Dave too. It's kind of like a don't go for like the high the high name, like like a Craig Kimbrell or a Chapman, I would wait to see those names go. And then, you know, maybe get, like, your number five closer somewhere around there. Because once, like, Zach, like you said, once the first, like, domino falls, that's when everybody starts to panic and say, like, oh, I need to get a closer. Yeah. I need to get a closer. So, um, I, I agree with Dave a little bit there. Um, I... I, I I wouldn't hesitate either to maybe look at um, maybe look at a couple depth charts, see it, see who has like a good setup guy almost, and see if uh, see if you can get some cheap saves too from a setup guy that um, you know they might not be trotting out their closer every night, but if there's going to be double headers, they're going to be throwing out a new guy on that back end or maybe that first game for a uh, for a save or two to save an arm. Yeah, no, that uh, that's a great point. Um... And I guess the other the other question I had regarding uh, fantasy picking is how do you guys feel on uh, catchers? Uh, obviously, they're a lot like closers. You know, you have your top tier guys, and then it's like, why bother? Uh, I'm always someone who likes to snag two catchers. I usually will try to pick a catcher as, as high up as possible. Um, but I, I understand the offensive ones are at a premium. And I also know that catchers play the least amount just because of, you know, their workload and whatnot. So I like to have two decent, competent catchers. Uh, you know, so that's just my thought on it. But what say you? I would, I would try and nab early. Definitely try and get something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say maybe round five or six. I don't, Dave. Am I, am I wrong there? But I'm thinking like five <laughs> or six. Try and get, try and get as quick as possible to get your your really good guy, and then get your kind of getaway day backup catcher. Because, like you said, they don't play a whole lot. But even that might be might be early. I mean, just, if you just look at overall rankings, uh, the rankings list that I have in front of me, um, and I'm not trying to be a ranking sore here, but they have JT Real Muto as the highest rated catcher at number 74 overall. So with the 10-team league, you're looking at around a seventh-round pick for him. After that, you have Gary Sanchez at 101. So depending, and it all his solely dependent on how this league drafts and you said there's a couple diehard fans there but if they're pirate fans you might you might be good they might take jacob stallings like number four overall um but you have you might be able to wait it out a little bit longer zach and still get a top tier catcher um you know with real muto gary sanchez uh yasmani grandal who also is in there at first base with the white Sox, um mitch garver wilson Contreras, and i'll throw in salvador perez because he can still rake. Um, I think you can wait on a good catcher this year. Um, they're they're not they don't really hit as well. They they don't play as much. You might be able to wait till the eighth round to even get the the top rated catcher. No, it makes sense because like I said, out 
out of the uh, top five that you listed. Uh, and I, I, on my own rankings, I have Real Muto, Sanchez, Grandal, Contreras, Perez, and Garver. After those, you know, I your options are really limited. So, uh, you know, clearly you obviously have to watch where that goes. But uh, I definitely want to get one of the top four. That's for sure. Um, I think one thing that you can that you can set up for a sleeper is Will Smith for the Dodgers. If yeah, you can find a way to even like you know, I'd say for even the Braves and the no for the Dodgers. Oh, is there really two Will Smiths? Yeah, but there's there Will a... Smiths all over the place. This this is the dude that the Pirates were trying to get in a trade for Felipe Vasquez. We well, all know uh, how that. I, did, I didn't. I didn't know there were two. Yeah. One has one uh, L in the spelling. The other one has two, I believe, from someone who plays MLB the Show a lot. <laughs> but yeah, I think Will Smith would be a like you know you're looking for that replacement day catcher. I think he'll he'd be a, a great backup if you can grab one of those top two or three. Um, also, can I mention that Jeff had Craig Kimbrell as a top tier closer right now? I think that would have been true when he was you know still with the Red Sox and uh, didn't take that hiatus. But he was not good with the Cubs last year, and he needs to change it real quick. Little motivation never hurt, Dave. Little motivation never hurt. Do you want to take a, a guess at where he's listed overall in closers and overall rankings, Jeff, on the list that oh, I have? Oh, I'm sure he's probably bottom half of a top 10. I'd probably say he's hovering around uh, 9, 10, 11. I wouldn't be shocked if he's outside the top 10. Number 20. Holy shit. <laughs> Zach, I'm telling you right now, go get Craig Kimbrell. If you're gonna take a closer, take Craig Kimbrell. <laughs> Comeback Player of the Year award, whatever that is in baseball, he's got absolutely. it. Absolutely, absolutely. How about Dave? Really How about bad. Dave? Speaking of Comeback Player of the Year, last year Dave took uh, uh, what the hell was the Pirates guy's name that you took? Come on, come oh. on, you got this. <laughs> Jung Ho Gung. He took Jung Ho Gung last oh, year my. as Comeback <laughs> Player of the Year, and he was out of baseball and like. Three oh, weeks. God. Wow. All I know, this is what I remember from that show. We had two awards that we picked. Jeff went 0 for 2, and I went 1 for 2. Oh, because you, you attached to Pete Alonzo. Marcelo Zuna wasn't far off either. He had a hell of a year last year. Yeah, he didn't get it, but he that was almost you almost tied me there. So oh, yeah, almost well. is a it's a stretch word too. Yeah. Zach, do you have any other questions uh, to regarding tonight's yeah. draft? Yeah, I got one more for you guys. Um, just since you guys are the baseball heads of this podcast, any sleepers slash minor league guys that could break out this year? Um, obviously, I know Luis Robert on the White Sox, who hasn't even played a game yet, uh, supposed to be the top guy in baseball and got already signed to a big contract. But uh, anyone that's out there, kind of in the later rounds, that you know you can put into my uh, brain right now, just so I can keep an eye out. Um, well, I was trying to think, I think Austin Riley got enough exposure last year that he won't be considered like that, that minor league breakout player, because we already saw what he was able to do with the bat early on. Um, I, it kind of fell apart towards the end of the year, but I mean, Jeff, he should be one of those dudes that is playing almost regularly or should be up to the show this year, right? Uh, I don't know because... I wouldn't be shocked if maybe they either put him A in the outfield or maybe they they kind of maybe take him down to AAA and let him play every day because from what I've heard, him and Johan Camargo are still battling for that third base spot. And, and from at least what I've heard, 
is that Camargo has looked really good in camp until everything got put on hold. So um, I would, I, I think he would be a nice guy to have to just kind of put in your back pocket or maybe put on your watch list that your uh, your bucko buds might not know about. And then the <laughs> and then just watch out that waiver wire and maybe that's a guy you pick up when you hear he he's got got a uh, got a start or he's starting to get hot or something like that. So. Um, I like the pick of Austin Riley, but um, to say that he's going to be an everyday guy, I don't think that's a foregone conclusion for the Braves yet. And maybe I'm not trying to say he will be a, an everyday guy, but he has the chance to do it this year, and I think he would kind of fit the mold of what Zach's asking for. As yes, for sure, for sure. So, Dave, does that mean you're going to suggest keep Brian Hayes? I mean, I, w- I would like to suggest that, but I wonder how the Pirates are going to run it with Colin Moran being there and how you know stubborn the Pirates usually are when it comes to those players that have signed those multi-year deals and you have a you know a young budding star in the minors who can take it away and you know the more I think the more at bats you get at that younger age um, is more beneficial than than hurtful. The only time it's really hurtful is like if you're Cole Tucker who you know, did really well in his first series and then just fell off the earth after that, almost batting like, you know, below 100 in the next couple of games, two, three weeks. So I would like Cabrian Hayes as like one of your last round picks as almost like a, he, when he gets called up, I already have him. I don't have to wait, wait on it. Um, so I, if you can get him towards the end of the draft, like second to last round pick or last round pick, do it for sure. Noted. I but will. If you uh, die in there, he might go in the fourth round. That's true. He's actually a first round pick, first overall pick, actually. Unless I get it. <laughs> Zach, one so. more guy too. I I don't want to make this too heavy on on the Braves prospects though, but uh, Christian Patch from the uh, on the Braves in Triple A Gwinnett to start the year. Just keep an eye on him in case anything would happen uh, injury wise with uh, the Braves outfield or anything. Um, he's their top prospect. Uh, I, I don't want to put him on. He's obviously not on the same level as Ron Lacuna Jr., but he's like their next guy that they're kind of waiting for to get to the major league level. So kind of just keep him in your, in your back pocket in case, uh, an injury happens or whatever. And then that, that could be like your, your nice little, uh, ace up your sleeve. Good to know. And I will remember that because patch is a weird last name. So yeah. Patch or Pache, something like that. Patches a hand. Patches, patches a hula hand or Patchy the Pirate from SpongeBob. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Love, love moving the name on. Rolling here. Moving on. <laughs> Where are we moving on from? Uh, I don't know. Do we want to go video games or do we want to talk about a documentary? I think we should just go into the video games because I really don't have much to add there. Okay, yeah, we can just get the video games out of the way. So, uh, what do we got update-wise? Uh, I think it's just between you and Zach. I, the only thing I did was started the World Series with the Yankees. I think that's where I left off last time. Uh, we are playing the Dodgers, as I think I mentioned. Ooh, so heavyweight battle. Yeah, heavyweight battle between uh, luxury tax teams. Um, so, we start in New York. Uh, they start me, this is game one recap. Uh, I think they started me up two nothing. I end up losing five, two absolute 
pandemonium, uh, chaos. Uh, Post game shows were brutal to listen to. I got absolutely torn up. The media was not my friend. Um, went out in game two, trying to even the series at one, and uh, I was up four nothing. Blew a four nothing lead. In fact, the Dodgers were up five four on me at one point. How did you blow the lead, though? What's that? How did you blow the lead? Uh, I left Tommy Conley, I believe that's how you say his last name, relief pitcher in there far too long. And uh, several of the Dodgers found the gap. And I'm pretty sure Muncie hit a home run. And if it wasn't Muncie, it was Turner um, to put them up. So I battled back. I didn't just restart the PlayStation and call it a day. I, I, I dug deep. Um, hit a solo bomb with Aaron Judge and I believe the seventh inning to nod it at five. And then the first batter in the bottom of the ninth, Aaron Hicks walked it off, off the foul pole in right field, the short porch. Uh, so, yeah, when we resume, we will be uh, heading to L.A. Uh, for game three, trying to take the lead. So, how, so how's the New York media feeling after, you know, you, you obviously had the rough go in game one. Game two, you, you really had to dig in and gut one out. Um, How's the New York media treating you guys? Because, I mean, I'm sure everybody's on edge, uh, especially going against, like, the the financial rival of the, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, that's actually a great question. Um, so, you know, we, we, we swept we, – we had 131 wins in the regular season. Uh, we swept the Indians in the first round. Uh, and I believe we swept or only lost one game to the Twins. So, naturally – and, and that, that win or that loss, if it did happen, was when we were up 3-0 in the series. So naturally, there's still a bunch of panic, despite me having full control of this ship. Um, you know, I think I have some doubters, uh, mainly New York Post people. But, uh, you know, we're going to go in there and we're going to prove them wrong. Uh, and, you know, if things do get rough, I will restart the PlayStation because that's when I panic. <laughs> um, how is your boy Freddie Freeman doing in that Yankee uniform? You know, he had a rough game at the dish uh, last time. I believe he was one for four with a single. Um, that said, I, it's not so much Freddie Freeman. It's it's his batting stance on that game. Uh, I just can't time swings with him. Like, he, he, we have spurts where I'll hit really well, and then I'll, I'll swing and miss and strike out a few times or, you know, ground it out. I always feel like I swing just early because I can't time it right still. So. Go the go the other way, Zach. Do what Freddie does in real life. Just go the <laughs> other way. Don't try and pull. Just slap it, especially because they probably have the shift on them. Put it in yep. in the left field like Freddie always does. Let him just get on base. Let everybody else do the hard work. Freddie's there to get on base. I've even thought about drag bunting or throwing one down the line. Oh yeah, oh yeah, because they got the shift going. They, yeah, they the, go they with the shift on. Shift. Yeah, they have an unreal shift on them. So it's it's been considered. Yeah, maybe keep that keep that there for uh, for game three if you need to get a base runner late or or something like that. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, uh, you know, if I need any more uh, former brave Freddie Freeman insight, I will uh, hit you up. Yeah, we'll do. We'll do. Who who comes out of the lineup going to L.A. with the D.H. being removed? You know, that's that's something I I hadn't thought of. Uh, you know, we, we take one day at a time and when uh, tomorrow hits, when's when I'll consider it. But if you're going to ask me right now, uh, you know, I, I would probably say Aaron Judge because I can't hit with the Wow. Oh, <laughs> my God. Ridiculous. Riding right now. Uh, I'm New York Post, big headline. Uh, GM Morris has no clue what he's doing. Yankees poster boy on bench. <laughs> 
I, I hope you know that when he comes up to bat on MLB The Show, you can't even see his head. Like, he is so tall. and his You even change the camera so settings. I know I can, but I'm just, I, I, hit, I hit decent with everyone else. That when he comes up, like, if they throw it in the dirt, I usually swing at it. If they throw it up to the moon, he's tall enough to hit it, so I try to swing at it. Like, it's, I struggle with Judge more than human. But that said, uh, you know, I... I don't know. I, I that's that's initial reaction to that question, but I'm sure once I sift through the lineup and look at who I actually have, um, DJ Lemayhew is another guy I can't really hit with um, the way his feet are pointed, so that might be a solid option too. So everyone that's good on your team, you can't hit with. I mean, the Yankees' entire team is good, so like, there's not a bad player on that lineup. Um, hey, and I really, I'll, lo- I'll, I'll give Zach the benefit of the doubt. He's got a lot of egos. He's got to work with there. That someone's yeah. gonna have to come out of that lineup. That I don't want to be making that choice. I need to see this stream tomorrow. Like you need to have this live stream so I can watch. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm the GM, not the bench boss. So whoever is making this lineup decision in the end, I will just fault them. So <laughs> they're basically managing for their job. Yep. Yep. The job completely on the line, but it's it's 100. You know, it's a trickle down. I just suggest who should come out, and then we'll see what happens come game time. All right. All right. I'm excited. I'm excited. I don't want to see the Yankees win another championship, but I want to see you win. <laughs> I I appreciate that. I appreciate it. It's been a hard-fought road. You got to wonder how right. the teams are going to deal with the travel, too. That's going to be a big factor. New York to L.A. That's Long true. trip. I'm jet-lagged just thinking about it, and I'm <laughs> in the living room right now, so... <laughs> Can't even imagine. All right, Jeff. You, you got any news for us? Uh, not a whole lot. The pitcher is still doing his thing. Uh, he's his ERA is just a little bit above two. I think he's a two point one now. Uh, a couple shaky starts, uh, but I mean he's young. Um, just kind of going through mechanics, learning some new stuff, uh, different pitches. We incorporated a slider um, to his repertoire, so um, you know he's got he's got a good pitch that falls away from the righties and. Um, comes in on the lefties so uh to have that and developing that at the double a level we're pretty excited about so that's a that's a plus um but moving on to the main event though everybody wants to hear how how our hitter is doing our our sensational third baseman um uh we did make the all-star team we did not make it as a starter we we came in at the uh thank you thank you thank you finally getting some appreciation from the fans um uh came in in the eighth inning uh, got kind of caught up in the moment, struck out on uh, on a three two pitch that froze me on a cha- on a change up. So um, not the showing you want. But again, you're playing with the best of the best, so uh, it felt good being around the uh, the elite of the elite of the uh, of the double A level. Hopefully, this uh, projects us up to to the triple A level sooner rather than later. So, uh, but so far so good. We're kind of just uh, grinding down in double A day by day and. Um, you know, closer and closer to hitting free agency because I think that's what the countdown's looking like right now. So, so not to try to not to try to turn it over here, but you said you struck out on a three-two changeup. Changeup that, that it was a pretty liberal strike zone. It was a little bit out. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It was a little bit out. I gave a look to the umpire, and he said it's a pitcher's pitch and told me to go away so being the respectful player i am i respect the game i said okay and uh just walk back to the dugout 
the only reason I bring this up, and I'm, and I'm sorry to make this about me, but I'm so I'm going to try to degrade myself here. The real the, the realization I had that I was not going to play in the majors was that I was in a hell of a battle with one of my buddies in one of the uh, like leagues above Little League. We called it Junior League, and probably like ten pitches. I'm just fouling off everything, and I figured he kept throwing fastballs on a full count. So I figured at one point he's going to try to trick me, and I thought he was going to go with the changeup. And that was my very first mistake, not expecting fastball. And then the moment <laughs> yep. I realized that ball just blew right by me. I just looked down and I heard strike three. And all I could think was, come on, man, you're better than that. I don't like I don't know why I could ever think off speed on a oh, full yeah. count many pitches. But so oh. I'm I'm not I, I'm trying to give you something here where, you know, you rec you gave, you know, credit to the pitcher, and I was gonna give you credit saying, you know, Sometimes you just get ahead on that pitch. So I, I commend that pitcher for throwing a, an off-speed pitch on that full count against you. Yeah, and, and honestly, uh, I, I'm definitely a, uh, a fastball high guy. Like, I love that high fastball that can just drive. And nine times out of ten, I'm bat-flipping and trotting around the bases on a home run. But, uh, yeah, I was sitting on fastball. Uh, he was throwing, like, 94, 95, which is pretty high for double-A. And um, – yeah, he threw a changeup, caught me off guard. And uh, like I said, it might have been out a little bit, uh, but maybe that's just from the batter's point of view. Um, but, yeah, it was, uh, it was a tough pill to swallow. And uh, it, you get a little, little taste of the majors when you get that changeup blown away and can't quite pull the trigger on it. So let me switch gears with the question because Dave asked a baseball one. <clears throat> I want to know, when you were at the All-Star game, did any of your uh, all-star teammates that have, you know, they're obviously good, highly touted uh, prospects, did they did they uh, say anything about your situation? Do they feel bad? Do they know what's going on? And how'd that go? Uh, you know, it's pretty relaxed. You know, we were kind of picking everybody's brain. But, yeah, they did ask me, you know, what, how I'm dealing with the situation of the of the bean balls that I've been getting uh, throughout the first half. Um, trying to be diplomatic, really. I'm not trying to really throw – a ton of people under the bus, not on that stage. Um, I kind of save that for the local media, really, of the people that really understand the situation that I'm in. Um, but there, I was just really diplomatic that, you know, it's it's a, it's a team game, and, you know, it, it, if I have to take things in my own hands, I will. But, um, yeah, just kind of kept it real diplomatic. Didn't want to cause any uh, – make the event about me. It's, it's, about, it's about the game and bringing everybody together and – and uh, being on a big stage like that. That makes sense. I, I mean, you handle that far better than I ever would, so I give you props to that. I would have called everyone out and, you know, made a scene at the All-Star game. So good work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, we're, we're not trying to, to scare teams away. Uh, again, the, the end goal here is to get the big contract uh, in free agency. And uh, You don't um, want to be the OBJ? You don't want to be the come-get-me guy? Every, yeah, every no, we don't want to be begging to get out of, get out of anywhere or anything like that. We're just going to try and grind and, and work on our numbers, so... I got you. Had to ask, though. Had to ask. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think last question before we wrap this up. Do you expect a call up at any point this season in the second half? Oh, could be. I mean, if the numbers stay there, I mean, we're still batting around like 310 consistently. I think if we get the power numbers up, like the home runs, uh, we could see one late in the year. But um, it might be a full year at double A if, uh, if those power numbers don't get up a little bit. Okay. All right, so I'm, I'm interested. I'm excited to hear you hit 
what seven home runs this week in five games. So yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, I think I think that basically does it for everything that's you know directly related to the sports that you know we like to cover when it comes to baseball and hockey. No hockey this week. I mean, it was really it's it's been you know tough going out there. Yeah, there's I, been nothing. So that that doesn't help. But you know, my my happiness has gone up since I'm installing. So. <laughs> All right. So, you know, there was a great documentary on last night on ESPN and, you know, doesn't really fall under the category of, you know, finger quotes, the sports that we cover. But this is so universal when it comes to just the world of sports that almost anyone can appreciate the story behind um, one of the most legendary icons of all time when it comes to sports and the team that he was on. Uh, Michael Jordan and, you know, the last dance with the Chicago Bulls. And, Jeff, you watched both episodes, I assume, last night, as did I, right? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. watched both of them. Yeah, and I, I could tell you, probably, even when I saw the trailer before um, this aired on last night, that I was already into the storyline um, and, that, and the fact that we have to go through this for the next four weeks gives me something to look forward to um, for network television each Sunday night. But, you know, give me your thoughts on the first episode, how it presents itself and where it goes. Uh, sorry, say that again. I'm, I'm sorry. I kind of blanked out there for a second. Uh, you're, too bu- you're too busy, like, staring off at, at, the, at the sunset. It's a beautiful, beautiful scene out here on the top of my <laughs> kingdom, at the top of the hill. So, uh, yeah, I got lost in the scenery. Okay. Um, what were your thoughts on the first episode, how it started, where it was going, and how it presented itself as a whole? I, I think the way it started, I didn't, like, so I didn't know, like, the full story of how, like, those bulls ended, right? Um, so when they came out, and Michael Jordan essentially said, the GM Jerry Krause pretty much said, this is the last year that you guys are going to be together. Like I was like, I couldn't imagine how furious I would be as a sports fan. If I have the greatest player in the world and the best supporting cast, you're coming off of five going four six championships in a decade. And your GM slash owner have said, we're breaking the team up after the year. Like I, that blew my mind right away. Um, they also told the head coach, Phil Jackson, who coached all those teams to those NBA championships. This will also be your last year. Um, I think just the way it came out, it kind of came out guns a blazing a little bit, which was, uh, not usually the start that you're, we're used to, to documentaries. It kind of takes a little bit for it to get going, but, uh, they came out pretty quick. Um, and then, you know, they kind of got to how they drafted Jordan in 84. And then they came into the Scottie Pippen storyline where they, that I found this intriguing that they they went through like Scottie Pippen's ranks as a bull where like he was like second on the team in points, steals, rebounds, um, like all these that he was either number one or he was number two. And if he was number two, he is probably behind Michael Jordan. Um of all these stats through their championship runs. And then they got to where he ranked salary wise on the bulls. And he was like next to last and salary wise on the bulls. 
or six. Okay, I'm sorry. I knew it, so he was he was he wasn't the top five, which is ridiculous. And then they got his ranking in the in the um, NBA, and he was 122nd on the pay list in the in the NBA when he was arguably the second best player in basketball. And now keep in mind with that, Zach, that yes, I believe it was probably entering after his rookie contract that you know before he was really making these baller moves um, yeah. because he, he he just got better and better as the seasons progressed after he signed this deal it was a 7 year 18 million dollar deal so with this being the last dance you know the, the last year where all this is happening 97 98 he signed that contract i believe in like 91 like basically when all the championships started um, but it, it, the, the bulls were unwilling to even try to negotiate, um, giving him more money at that point. They wanted him to just play it out. Um, which I just thought was absolutely insane. Like the bulls did a hell of a job to get him cheap while they could, but then they yeah. just refused yeah. to even give him more money for the performance on the court. You know who the number one twenty-two guy in the NHL is right now? Enlighten me. Jonathan Quick. Wow. So, I mean, Scotty Pippen, who was arguably the number two player in the NBA at that point um, with current players, and, may, and definitely a top 50 guy, as they mentioned in the in the show, um, all time, was not even in the top 100 when it came to pay. That's legit insane. So, so here's my issue, because... A lot of people have come out and said, like, well, you know, it, it's kind of on Scottie Pippen because he because he grew up in, like, a family of, like, 12, right? He had, like, 12 brothers and sisters or 11. Yep. So yep. He, he signs that deal because to support his family and everything, and that's good on him, right? Um, the only issue that I, that I kind of took with this is, A, he made that commitment, so live out the deal. Number two, people have also come out and said, like, Oh well, Michael Jordan should have cut him a check or something because he did so well with them. I completely disagree with that. Michael Jordan, yeah, he did a lot of winning with Scottie Pippen. He doesn't need to cut him a check for anything. Scottie Pippen needs to take care of himself and listen to his agent and say, you know what, maybe we'll sign a, a short-term deal, see how things go, and then you know we'll reevaluate this in three or four years or whatever. Yeah, I don't know where you saw that, but I'm mad hearing about it. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> That's absurd. Yeah, like, like people were like, well, you know, Michael Jordan could have taken care of him a little bit. I completely disagree with that. Um, and it, is it a bad look on the Bulls that they didn't want to re-up him maybe in that last year, renegotiate a new <clears throat> deal? Maybe, but... At the end of the, I mean, it, it looks better on the organization if you say like, "Hey, you took a discount for us. We really appreciate that. Now we're going to give you your paycheck." It's it, it's a tough look on the Bulls, but again, like they're not obligated to do that. It just makes the organization look better if they do do that. And I was going to try to tie this to you know our team in, in the hockey world. Depends. Say somehow, some way that you have Evgeny Malkin in the in the 122 range, somewhere around that range, you pay overall in the NHL. And, you know, they came off, let's, this is all figurative here. Say they would have won last year. 
and instead of the blues and went three out of the last four and they're going for four out of five and they're basically telling Falcon, you know we had you at a hell of a discount but we're not going to give you uh, any more money and you're looking to be gone after that like how would we feel as fans hearing that i feel like fans 100 percent you're upset but as a player though to have the right to go to free agency after coming off of that much success Teams yeah. are going to be opening the checkbook for you. So I think as That's a player, you be. should be very grateful. Yeah, I was going to say it's going to be like a sign here. Here's what you want. Like, um, that said, uh, yeah, fans have every right to be pissed and upset about it. But in the end, it is a business. So while it's an awful look for the organization, I mean, it, you know, it is what it is, I guess. And it sucks to say that, but I mean. Now, now, having said that, I mean, we're playing a lot of armchair quarterback here where we're, we're thinking, well, if the Bulls end up going through this rebuild that they ended up going through and they have success, we'll say within four years, would you give it like four years if you have success in that time frame? I think all's forgotten, right? Because essentially that's what the Penguins did. The Penguins did very, something very similar where they went on that last run in 2001 when Mario came back, lost in the Eastern Conference Final, and then they blew up the team until 2003 when they drafted Flurry, and then, you know, the rebuild began. Yeah, I mean, the only difference there was I don't think that was a, that was planned um, going into the beginning of the season, knowing that that was going to be the last year for sure. What's and, that? You know, you're gonna, uh, with the pens back in like oh, oh one no, saying that, that you're going to be that gone. was well known. That was well known that they were blowing up the team after that year because after that playoff run, they sold Yager. I was going to say that was when Yager got dealt, right? Yeah, Yager got dealt that summer, so that was a hundred percent like they knew. Like they they had a if you watch that um that fifty year anniversary and you watch like that whole era, um they. They said that, like, they had a meeting and Craig Patrick came to the decision that they had to gut the team. So, you know, they kind of made a team around Mario because of the name and kind of tried to draw fans that way. But, I mean, that was absolutely planned. So that would essentially be like if the the Bulls were successful in trading Scotty Pippen that year going into that this final year. And this would essentially be the same thing. I would say I would say more of had they they won that sixth championship right they won that sixth championship you know I, mean, they do. I think that I mean, yeah they do I, I was thinking back I'm like they totally definitely did but so they won the championship and they they got the team and they get so that's ninety seven ninety eight correct yeah so say they get success and they won another title in two thousand one that's a three year rebuild. I think we look at this very differently. I think the fact that the Bulls haven't been that successful since then, um, that's why everybody's a little sour on the whole thing. Yeah, yeah and the only thing go for it, Zach. I, know, I was gonna, I was going to add my input, although I haven't seen this yet. It's something I'm going to watch for sure. Is I feel like any time that there's a planned rebuild and like. You know, there's actually a strategy as to why you're not going to pay or why you're going to get rid of your best player. I understand that, but you need to make sure there's actual, like, parameters in place and you have set defined goals. And, like, you know, it needs to make sense on why you're doing that. And I feel like that wasn't achieved. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I kind of wanted to see what your thoughts were trying to relate this back to the 
what with our team, the Pens, and if it was approached the same way with the current roster that they have now, with maybe another championship added there. But I mean, it's kind of compelling to see how there was one GM who really gets a, a the worst look so far in these first two episodes, and um, they he makes one comment that he said was misquoted. Uh, saying that players don't win championships, organizations do. And that pissed off the players who were actually going out there and following the coach's lead. Um, You have the front office people that get those players together, but ultimately you can't always get the best players available and have a a raggedy-ass coach out there lead them on that way. That's not how it works. I mean, we saw how Mike Johnson did in his first year with the Penguins. That's that name. very true. Very true. That, yeah, I agree with that. The one thing I so, did, um, I did enjoy, outside of like the storylines and everything, were just watching like Jordan highlights and how like he truly is the greatest of all time. Right? I think we're putting that to rest. Just the the. I would say the elegancy of the shots that he made were phenomenal. Um, I mean, the reason, the only reason I would throw LeBron James in there is just because of his physicality and size and what he and how he can just go through people, even though the league's a little different, how he can just go through people and he plays a uh, kind of a different position. Jordan was able to. You know, slice and dice through people trying to murder him and still put up these shots. So the the two things that I took away that like I was like wow like th- this dude got it at like a young age. Um, well, not a young age. One was from when he was real young, like when he was like first making his first run. Was when they played the Bad Boys from Detroit, and he he knew he had to bulk up in order for them to be successful because he knew the type of game he was going to have to play and he was going to get beat up pretty bad. Uh, that one I, I, I took note on. The other one was when um, when they started the year and they're, they're out in L.A. playing the Clippers, who were just god-awful at the time. And my man drops 49, drops 49, and the Clippers took them to overtime. Like, like it was Michael Jordan did his damnedest to make sure they didn't lose to the Clippers that night. And there was they showed one close up. He's on like he's in the corner, like a little off the baseline a little bit. And there was a guy like sizing him up playing defense. And Jordan just looks at him and gives him like a my man, what are you doing here? I'm going to embarrass you. And he just does like a step back jumper and he buries it right in this guy's face. And I'm just like, dude, to be a G that good. And just be like, you're going to defend me. You're not going to be successful. <laughs> and I'm going to bury this shot. Like, just forget it. The way I took that look was I think he was mad that something didn't happen in the offense. Absolutely. Like absolutely. The zone. So it wasn't as if he was giving the defender that look. He was just looking over top of him. He didn't even know. He knew there was a defender there, but he didn't even care that he yeah. was right in front of him. He was just so pissed off about how it was what was happening on the court that he decided just to do it himself and then go off his merry way. Yeah, um, you're 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 dead you're dead right on that. That that's how how like the actual like scene is is uh, set up there because like they said it was it was just Michael that night because Rodman was holding out I think or he was hurt and Scottie Pippen wasn't in the line. Rodman holding out, Pippen's hurt. So it's, it's like it's just MJ and like, and like they kind of like zoom in from like the uh, the broadcast 
like camera and it, like somebody like c- like cuts the wrong way or something, he, you can just tell he's pissed and he's just like, oh well, screw it, I'll do it myself here. So <laughs> the one thing I want to leave off with, and I saw this during or after the two episodes. Zach, have you seen what Jerry Krause looks like? Uh, I have not. He is a very short, very large dude. Okay, so um, and you have you have players constantly making fun of him. And I saw someone do essentially um, two photos for a tweet, and all it was was the eyeballs emoji and hashtag the last dance. And there's a photo of Jerry Krause sitting down, kind of just smiling. What's your, what's your thoughts, Zach? Uh, he looks like an absolute unit. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I, I've seen him before, but I didn't know the name. I've seen, like... So, the, the reason I bring this up, there's a photo of him, like, kind of, like, smiling, sitting down in a chair, and he looks like somebody. He almost looks like, he almost, he looks like a cartoon character, and it's a movie that Michael Jordan starred in, and he is the dude, um, who's in charge of... I, I can't think of the, the planet name, like Moron Mountain. Um, yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. guy. And I could not believe the realization at that point that Michael Jordan's probably the one that made up that character. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably the most real assessment I have saw from someone else. And that just clicked on a light bulb just like that. And That's I incredible. could not believe like, the similarities of these dudes who was just, you know, looking to do whatever he could um, to just gut whatever he has and make it his own. Um, so, I mean, you can probably look it up. Like, I can't think of the character's name in the movie. But I don't know the character's name, but I know exactly who you're talking about. Just look at the, the two photos side by side. Um, you might be able to find it on Twitter or like Google Images. Like, you know, look up, you know, the evil character from Space Jam. I think it's just uncanny. <laughs> that those two guys are so similar that I believe Michael Jordan is the one that created this character. <laughs> That's I'm actually going to probably watch this tonight and get so I get caught up with you guys. Um, I've heard nothing but good things about it, so it'll be nice, especially as someone who doesn't watch basketball or follow. I think you know Jordan. I mean, none, none of us really game. do now. Yeah, but I just mean in general, like Michael Jordan is one of those people where you don't need to watch basketball to care about it because you've grown up hearing him. At least I did, because you know. Obviously, there was no NHL network or MLB network at the time, so you grew up watching SportsCenter or ESPN, and you would always hear about stuff. So it's, I definitely want to watch this just to piece together the little that I do know. All right. I think it's good to leave it off there. we got more episodes of that coming each Sunday night. So let's let's wrap it up with the, with the MVPs, and I'm just going to throw it out there saying that Michael Jordan is the MVP simply because of the assessment I just made that he made his DM the evil character in Space Jam, whose name I still can't think of, and I'm going to look up now. <laughs> Jeff, actually, do yours because I'm still thinking of mine. Okay, I got one. Mine's actually an LVP of the week. Um, it's a gentleman that we both, or actually, I'm sorry, all three of us know. I'm still getting used to having Zach on here every week now. Um, <laughs> It's a gentleman we all know, we all went to college with. Um, It's a good buddy of ours, Christian Scott. Um, He took to Instagram this week, and he congratulated the Slippery Rock inline 
D1 and D4 teams on successful years. Obviously, those guys didn't get to go play in nationals this year due to the coronavirus and everything. Uh, but in his post on the successful seasons, um, he put in his post, the Division Four team brought home the club's first ECRHA regional championship. Um, and then continue to talk about the successful year that they have. Um, I'm sure both of you guys know what the issue is with that sentence right there. Um, so, me, so me being the person that I am, I quickly called a a former teammate of mine. He was my D partner in college. He he was one half of the most electrifying D pair in college inline hockey. Um, Chris Feltz to make sure just like, hey, buddy, like we did do this before, right? Like this wasn't like a, a, a thing or whatever. And sure enough, he did say, yeah, we definitely won the first reg- regional championship in uh, inline hockey history. So my LVP of the week is our good buddy, Christian Scott. Christian, you got to check the record books, bud, before you put out a te- a, uh, an, an Instagram post like that. Um it's been done before. So that that's why I'll leave it at that. Uh, my Twitter is at jchrist underscore 51 if anybody wants to hit me up and have a conversation about the true first ECRGA regional championship in Slippery Rock inline hockey history. Mr. No Swackhammer way. is that character's name. Mr. Swackhammer. That's it. It's mentioned like once in that, in that movie, though. Exactly. Like it's, it, it's only no. like once or twice. Yeah, I agree with you, Jeff. Um, I, I believe Gumby was there um, as well during that championship. So, yeah, Gumby. Um, there's no way I can top the LVP. So I'm just gonna give an MVP to Aaron Hicks for uh, tying the series at one uh, in my MLB The Show March to October. So yeah, that's fair. That is there a fair go. MVP. Uh, Twitter handle is at ZachMorris82. And guys, I'm sure we'll be doing a draft recap to either point out all my flaws and my flawed lineup next week, or we can talk about how great it is, but I'm probably going to go with uh, the other. I want to go with how great it is, but it's only up to you. I'm going to try. I'm going to text you guys tonight. Just, you know, like the jitters out, you know? Let's get another Skype call. We can watch you draft live. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. The virtual draft. We're going to get first-hand taste of this. Um, oh, I, mean, I can't this wait. Is our, this, is, this has been Icy Takes. I mean, thank you for listening and getting this far. Hopefully, we didn't go too far off the rails. Uh, you, can, you can like us on Facebook at Icy Takes with Jeff and Big Dave and Zach. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Icy Takes, I-C-E-Y Takes, all together one word because that's how we like to spell it. Follow us on our personals as well at Big underscore Day 52. At Zach Morris 82. At J. Chris underscore 51. Like our Lord and Savior. Oh, man. Uh, make sure to tune in next week for new content. But until then, stay icy, people. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. Go to the next one.